1: the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, January 17th. Coming up this hour.
2: The world's biggest names in business are at the World Economic Forum in Davos. We are there with the latest.
1: Big bank earnings continue with Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley.
2: Trade between the U.S. and China
3: is on track to break records.
1: And China's population shrinks for the first time since the 60s.
3: House Speaker McCarthy admits he always had questions about Congressman Santos's resume. Plus, Ukrainian civilians are dead after after Russia bombs apartments. I'm Michael Barr. More
4: ahead. John Stashtower and sports. An overtime loss for the Knicks. The Rangers and Devils won. The Islanders lost. NFL playoffs. The Cowboys beat the Bucs.
3: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on Bloombergradio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app.
2: Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today
2: members of the global elite are back in Davos, Switzerland, in their regular January slot after a three-year hiatus due to the pandemic. They are there for the World Economic Forum. So is Bloomberg surveillance anchor Lisa Abramowitz. She is covering the event for Bloomberg Radio and Television.
0: It's amazing to be on the ground talking with people ahead of one of the most uncertain years that I can remember talking to people about. I mean, in terms of the parameters of outcomes with respect to recession, not recession, inflation declining, or even picking back up. I've never seen such dispersion. So to hear from the business leaders and the central bankers and the heads of state from around the world will be incredibly instructive.
2: Bloomberg Surveillance Anchor Lisa Abramowitz in Davos for us this morning. You can catch more from Lisa live at 7 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. Stick with us throughout the day and the week as we bring you conversations and events around the World Economic Forum.
1: Well, another major story we're following this morning, Nathan, is big bank earnings. They continue today with both Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley reporting. And we get a preview from Bloomberg Intelligence senior analyst Allison Williams.
2: We're going to be looking at trading. How are these banks holding up in terms of market share after we had a little bit mixed results last week versus expectations. We do expect strength in fixed income trading, equities uh, perhaps flattish, and a sharp slide in banking fees. How are these banks doing versus their competitors? And then for Goldman Sachs, perhaps a little bit more strategic, what can we learn about their strategy? Morgan Stanley will get an update. We think it'll be tough for them to achieve their targets in a difficult market.
1: Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Analyst Allison Williams says both Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs plan to report results around 7.30 a.m. Wall Street time.
2: Turning to geopolitics now, Karen, it looks like trade between the world's two largest economies is on track to break records. Let's get the latest from Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Despite the tough rhetoric, trade between the U.S. and China is strong. U.S. government data indicates imports and exports last year will add up to an all-time high or close to it. Beijing also appears optimistic, with figures pointing to record trade of around $760 billion in 2022. The numbers are welcome news for investors amid heated talk of national security in Washington and concerns about the two economic superpowers decoupling. Though the data isn't adjusted for inflation, meaning higher dollar amounts do not necessarily translate to more goods shipped. Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, Steve, thank you. Trade with Beijing is set to pick up. China's economy is coming off a rather soft year. We're learning the economy grew at the second slowest pace since the 1970s. And Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong.
3: China
2: is facing a challenging recovery. GDP rose 3%, higher than the estimate of 2.7%. In December, industrial output rose 1.3% from a year ago, higher than forecast. Retail sales contracting 1.8% versus a predicted fall of 9%. Consumer confidence is near record lows, and COVID infections continue to run. But the economy is reopening big time, and that puts this data very much in the rearview mirror. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thanks. One other data point out of China this morning. For the first time in six decades, the population is shrinking. It's the latest milestone in a worsening demographic crisis for the world's second largest economy. The government said at the end of last year, China had 1.41 billion people. That's 850,000 fewer than the year before. The number of births in China was the lowest since at least 1950.
1: Meantime, in Europe, Nathan, inflation remains front and center. U.K. wages are rising at a nearly unprecedented pace. Average annual earnings, excluding bonuses, were 6.4 percent higher in the three months through November. Again, more from Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden in London. What we've learned this morning is that wage growth was the
0: highest on record outside the pandemic period in the three months to November, even though the inactivity rate and the number of vacancies fell and the unemployment rate held steady.
1: So what this suggests is that the jobs market's too tight for comfort for the Bank of England. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden says the Bank of England is under increasing pressure to deliver a 10th consecutive interest rate increase next month. Back here in the U.S., Karen, the next
2: chapter in the drama surrounding Elon Musk starts playing out today in San Francisco federal court. Ed Baxter has the story from our Bloomberg 960 newsroom in San Francisco.
3: The issue is a number of tweets in 2018 saying that he had lined up the financing to pay for a $72 billion buyout of Tesla. He then followed up, making it sound as if the transaction would be imminent. It fueled a stock rally which abruptly ended a week later and culminated in a $40 million settlement with the SEC. The trial will make him explain his actions and intentions under oath. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: Ed, thank you. And another corporate note this morning. Bloomberg News has learned that Emerson Electric is planning to reveal a takeover offer for National Instruments. The offer would value the maker of measurement systems at around $7 billion. And sources say Emerson is set to go public with its bid of about $53 per share as soon as today. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. It's 35 degrees in Central Park. It's going to be cloudy
2: today. We might see a few showers this afternoon on our way near 45 degrees. Any showers end this evening as we head down near 40. Now let's take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael.
3: Good morning, Nathan. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy told reporters he had his own doubts on the qualifications of newly elected Republican Representative George Santos who has been accused of fabricating key details of his work history schooling and personal background during his campaign
4: i never know all about his resume or not but i always had a few questions about it
3: the speaker while heading to a gop steering committee also says he talked to the long island congressman about reportedly being pretending to be part of his chief of staff for McCarthy. McCarthy says he did not know about the staff's claims at the time. A special counsel is expected to begin its investigation this week into classified documents found at President Biden's Delaware home and at a Washington office he used. The documents date back to Biden's time as vice president during the Obama presidency. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says Russia's recent attack on an apartment building in the central city of Dnipro is a war crime. The death toll from the missile strike is at least 40. Russia denies intentionally targeting civilians. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, a former Republican candidate who lost his election for a state seat in November has been arrested. Police say 39-year-old Solomon Pena is accused of conspiring to shoot at four Democratic lawmakers' homes. Albuquerque Police Deputy Commander Kyle Hartsock.
5: After the election in November, Solomon Pena reached out and contracted someone uh, for an amount of cash money to commit at least two of these shootings.
3: Commander Hartsock says that they have evidence that Pena himself shot at a house. An event at the National Action Network in Harlem honored Martin Luther King Jr. Day. New York Governor Kathy Hochul was at the event.
0: How do you live the lessons, the teachings, the inspiration of Dr. King every single day?
3: New York Mayor Eric Adams and Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer of New York also spoke. Meanwhile, in Fort Pierce, Florida, a shooting on MLK Day left at least eight people wounded. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Time now for our
4: Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stashow. Good morning, Nathan. Pretty amazing. it had been 30 years since the Dallas Cowboys had won a playoff game on the road. They played last night at Tampa Bay. They're going to run a play. Fourth and four. Back to throw it out to the left. All alone. Caught at the two. And a walk-in touchdown for C.D. Lamb. How did you not Cover the second team All-Pro. Cowboys radio. That's the way the night went for the Bucs. Dallas won 31-14. That touchdown pass by Dak Prescott, his fourth of the game. He also ran for a score. The only negative for the Cowboys was their kicker, Brett Maher. He made dubious NFL history by missing four extra points. With Tampa Bay season over, now begins the questions about Tom Brady's future. Cowboys will move on. They'll play Sunday night in San Francisco, Giants and Eagles, Saturday night in Philly, three of the four NFC teams left are from the NFC East. MLK Day matinee at the guard went overtime thanks to a thunderous game time dunk by R.J. Barrett with less than a second to go, but Toronto won an OT, 123-121. Jalen Brunson just named Eastern Conference Player of the Week, but in this one, Brunson missed 18 shots, including what would have been a game-winning three at the end. Rangers won 3-1 at Columbus. Devils won 4-3 in a shootout at San Jose. Bad loss for the Islanders. They led Washington 3-0 midway through the second period, and the Capitals came back and one in overtime. A year ago, Novak Djokovic went to Australia, was not allowed to play. Still unvaccinated, but he's getting ready to play his first-round match. There was an epic match. Andy Murray upset Matteo Barrettini, 7-6 in the fifth. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. Okay, John, thank you. Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone
2: else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Or visit audioffers.com for more information. We'll get the trading week started next with Dennis Gartman, former publisher of the Gartman Letter. First, we look at futures, and they're pointing to a lower open to start this holiday-shortened week. S and P futures are down 14 points. Dow futures down 93. Nasdaq futures are lower by 58 points. Ten-year is down 14. Thirty seconds. The yield at 3.55 percent. NYMEX crude's down a third of one percent at 79.61 a barrel.
3: Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on SiriusXM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm
2: Nathan Hager. As we get you set for a holiday-shortened trading week uh, with stocks on the back foot this morning, signs that central banks could turn more hawkish and attention on bank earnings as well. Let's bring in Dennis Gartman, the chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee and the former publisher of the Gartman Letter to get his outlook for the weeks and months to come. Dennis, good morning. Of course, we uh, got the first couple of weeks of 2023 started with gains for stocks. Now we have a bit of a pullback in the futures this morning. Is this just a breather or is this a sign of worse things to come?
5: For the first time in, in almost a year, I actually turned, from being overtly bearish, I, I turned bearish January 5th of last year. Right. And beginning about a week and a half ago, I, I actually turned neutral to the market, neutral to slightly bullish. Let's see what happens. But the fact that the uh, market did not go down on, on the employment uh, numbers that came out two weeks ago, uh, to me, was rather impressive. And, and I tend to follow technical circumstances uh Early on, and, and I saw that the, the Nasdaq on, on that day of the employment report had an outside reversal day, a, a new low, and then a close higher on the day, which I always found to be very impressive and something to be to pay attention to. Uh, we we tended to to continue to trade quietly higher. Uh, as I said, I have turned from being overtly bearish to being neutral to even modestly bullish. Let's see, we'll see what happens. But the fact that we closed higher on 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 Friday, which is archly typical, uh, that that tends to happen before holidays and the day after a holiday, we tended to to trade a tad lower. The market is very quietly uh, lower this morning. And if I had to do anything today, I'd be a buyer rather than a seller, but not not manifestly so, not hugely so, just quietly so.
2: What would it take to get you to be hugely a buyer in this market, Dennis? Uh,
5: more, More activity in the market, better volume coming in on the upside, lesser volume coming in on the downside, which is not something that we've seen for a while. Uh, I'd like to see the the market trade better on bad news and, and, and not go down on bad news. I'd like to see the market trade well on on good news, which we've not seen happen too often in the past several months. So a number of technical circumstances, a number of fundamental circumstances, and then probably some acknowledgement, acknowledgement from the Federal Reserve Bank that they're not going to be as, as manifestly, overtly tight as I thought the, that they would be, perhaps not taking the overnight Fed funds rate beyond 5%. Uh, to think that the Fed will be kind of will will turn to being overtly uh, easier, uh, that's that's months, if not a year, into the future. But uh, let, let's just see if the market can can trade better on good volume trade and and not go down on on high volume. That'll be impressive to me.
2: Another prominent bear in this market, Mike Wilson of Morgan Stanley, just came out with a note this morning saying that earnings could bring a drawdown in stocks that most investors are unprepared for. Is there a further earnings downside in this market? Do you think?
5: I think the I think the average investor has now been has has now begun to believe that in earnings will be terrible, perhaps not terrible, but certainly less than optimistic, less than optimal. And that's, I think, a general consensus at this point. I don't think that, uh, I, I think that earnings will probably not surprise us on the downside, and may even surprise us quietly on the upside. Time shall tell, but the, I think the market has digested, has has uh, fully uh, discounted uh, overtly bad earnings going forward for the rest of the year. What does
2: uh, China's reopening do for your investment outlook? How does that affect uh, how things could go for the balance of the year?
5: There's no question a a stronger opening in in China would be manifestly bullish for for equities across around the world. No question about that. We'll see if that actually does happen. Uh, Thus far, the news out of China is that uh, the, the opening has been faster than anticipated, better than anticipated. The problem that China has over the long term, however, is demographics are so awful for China, it's a a country whose population is is already beginning to decline, and that in the long run that's deleterious to a a, a bullish uh, uh, and optimistic perspective as far as uh, global uh, investment is concerned. So right now you have in the short term for the next five six six months a year, half a year a year or so. Uh, beneficial uh, circumstances developing in China. But over the course of the next five years, 10 years, China, I think, is going to be a a demonstrably less important, uh, far less uh, serious uh, investment opportunity. Demographics are something that do not turn around in the short term. They turn around over a long 20-year period of time. And China's demographics are deleterious for the long term.
2: Only about 30 seconds left, Dennis. But if you're turning neutral to bullish on stocks, does that mean you're turning neutral to bearish on gold?
5: No, I think that uh, the gold market continues to move from the lower left to the upper right. And I think that the gold has has done well, even when the news has been uh, manifestly bearish for commodities. And, and take a look at what's happened to wheat prices. They've gone down by half. Corn prices have fallen by a third. Uh, livestock prices are down. Uh, shipping prices are down. Crude oil prices have moved sideways. Natural gas prices have moved down. And yet gold continues to move from the lower left to the upper right. So I've continued to be bullish of the gold market, have been for a year and a half, and continue to be that way.
2: This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond.